Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Still to be Determined podcast. This is the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. I am not Matt Farrell. I'm Sean Farrell. I'm Matthew's brother. I'm a writer. I'll be asking questions. And Matthew is with us as well. He's going to stay silent until I say, say hello, Matthew. Hello, Matthew. Yeah, well played. <laughs> Classic game of feral chicken. That's right. Just a real quick reminder before we get into this episode, there are ways you can directly support the podcast. If you're on YouTube, you can look down below this video and find the join button where you will then be able to join us and become conjoined twins with Matthew and I. That's There's also st- still TBD.fm where you can throw quarters at our head through the donate button. We appreciate whatever kind of support you're able to give. That was me trying out a new radio voice. Did you like it, Matt? I, I liked it. I liked it. You need Good. to do that more often. Good. All right. All right. All right. So today we're going to be talking about 3D printing solid state batteries. Question mark? Explained. <laughs> Interesting grammar there, Matt. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this episode aired on December 21st, 2021. And right off the bat, I have to say, you do a pretty good impression of a teacher in this one. <laughs> Where you invite people to jump in with the solid state battery. Anyone? Anybody? Anyone? 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 (laughs) No. I just wanted to bring that up because I always hated it when teachers did that. Mm -hmm. It always felt like an incredibly awkward moment that I just wanted to end. And it always seemed to go on for far too long as teachers would stare knowingly into our eyes saying, I know you know, but why won't you say? (laughs) So you end up in this video with an extremely interesting conversation around the 3D production of solid state batteries. One thing you didn't go into that jumped out at me was what are the size requirements of this kind of tech? Are we seeing an evolution to the 3D printing where this is getting smaller? The reason I bring that up is because I'm wondering about mobility around this is this the kind of thing that would be seen exclusively in say a factory making cars or phones or is Mm -hmm. this something that could potentially be seen as a mobile production facility where you could go into let's say there's terrible hurricane of some sort and you could have a truck arrive from a government agency that could begin to print out batteries for people to be able to plug devices into you could say yes you could do that the problem though would be speed how fast can the machine produce what it's producing because they can make 3d printers super small depending on what you're trying to make a lot of companies like apple computers it's like when they're prototyping new things they have machines like this in their labs when they're designing chips and for chip fabrication they're basically printing and manufacturing these one-off chips themselves to try things out So it's like this stuff exists in companies in small scale. And then for this, it probably would make the most sense in a factory where you have dozens and dozens of these machines just pumping Mm -hmm. out the batteries. So I don't know if it would make sense to like print batteries on location for an emergency, but I could see 3D printers being a thing for printing other things that might be useful in those emergency situations. So 3D printing is really caught my kind of imagination because it's where it's coming up. It's everywhere. It is everywhere now there's a company that's actually printing 3d rockets 
that are going to be shot into space. So they're printing metal 3D rockets, like full scale, like SpaceX sized rockets. It's like, it's crazy what you can do with this. Everything from printing a CPU to batteries to whatever you can think of. It feels like we can pretty much do it now. And because of the efficiency of the way a 3D printer works, you can actually make things that are very difficult to manufacture any other way. And it has less waste because of the way it's printing. So it's like, it, this is this crazy cool technology. It's part mm -hmm. of the reason why I made this video because it's, I did 3D printed homes and it's like, as the more I was going down the 3D rabbit hole, it was like, oh, and we're making batteries and we're making rockets and we're making this thing over here. It's like, it's stuff I didn't even know we were able to do yet. It's right. really, really cool technology. That kind of ties in to a couple of the comments that I was going to share later in the episode. So I'll jump in and share those now. This one from Steve V who wrote, this is the precursor to the Star Trek replicator. <laughs> yes. We just have to keep at it so that we can print with smaller and smaller components till we get to printing with atoms. Custom parts ordering is already a thing. Once an interface is created where imagination can be given shape, we'll see this industry flourish exponentially. Artisans, tradesmen, etc., will be able to order anything they need, like discontinued parts, specialty tools, etc. And it really does like you just basically described what Steve was was just it is a replicator comment. Yeah. It's a replicator. It's like one of the concepts of traveling to Mars is that the astronauts would have a three printer with them. And in an emergency, it's like somebody breaks an arm. It's like you print out basically a cast for that person. So it's like you're printing only what you need when you need it. And you're not having to take all the stuff with you. You just have a machine that can make whatever you want. It's really, it's really kind of cool. It's like, I would love to see one of these in everybody's home for whatever you need. It's like, oh, my thing on my door broke. We'll just print one out and replace it. It's right. really, really cool. There was also this comment from Think Too Much. Interesting name. Mm -hmm. Think Too Much wrote, constructive critique. It would be more comprehensive if this video covered recycling. It's interesting because you do cover up to the waste produced in production. What is the recycling side of this? Is this a material which when you have, when the printing is done and you pull out your device, are there waste particles that are effectively now just permanent garbage? Or is this something where you're able to take that material that wasn't used in the production of the thing you're holding and put that back into the process? Or how depends does that the, all? It depends on what materials are getting used. So it's like you can't say 100% across the board, oh, you can recycle it all. That, that would be not true. Because there are some 3D, like I brought it up, there's the method that basically heats plastic and you're basically printing plastic. Plastic is not great at, we're not great at recycling plastic. We just aren't. Uh, we were sold a false bill, bill of goods. We don't do a good job at it. So a lot of that plastic waste may not be able to be recycled or doesn't get recycled. Where if you're making something that's being print, made out of metal, it's like you could absolutely recycle the, the, the waste, the stuff that's not being used. But again, to come back to it, there's not a lot of waste. It's like this minimizes the amount of waste that you have. If you're carving something out of a solid block of aluminum, there's a ton of aluminum waste. By the time the product's done, you can recycle it. Where if you printed something like that, there's basically going to be very little waste because you're not shaving away, you're building up. It's a two different sides of the same coin. But yes, recycling can be done, but it depends on the materials being used. You mentioned in the video, the company Saku is potentially going to be very close to mm -hmm. beginning to create these, these batteries that they've, that they've envisioned. And the batteries as described are 
half as expensive to produce and are actually more efficient than they the will, existing tech? Not right now. That is where they see the price going once they're up at commercial scale. So that right. price projection is where they anticipate being once they've hit commercial product. So and how long do they think that'll take them to get there? It could take them a year or two. It's, right. it's going to be a long run to get there. But we, I don't, we don't have to wait long because these companies are starting up pilot projects right now and scaling up over the next one to two years. So it, it's part of the reason why I wanted to talk about this specifically because it's like it's, we're right on the cusp of seeing how this actually pans out. And we don't have to wait 10 years. We're only going to have to wait one to two years. So I could see myself doing a follow-up video for this next year around this time, seeing how it's mm -hmm. gone, how it's worked out, have the pilot projects proved out to be viable or, is, or are they kind of faltering and taking longer than expected? And back to Saku again, you mentioned in the video that they have announced that they are on the verge of being able to start working with targeted partners. Mm -hmm. Do we know who these targeted partners are? Mm -mm. So whenever you see that, it's because the company is refusing to say, because it's like there's yeah. like NDAs and agreements where it's like they can't actually name them. I've talked to battery recycling companies where they've told me the same thing of like to my face. I'm like, they're like, hey, we have targeted partners we're working with on this process. Can you tell me who it is? And they never will actually name it. I've been given a little wink and a nod as to like who it might be. And it's usually right. like, oh, it's like a VW or a GM. It's like a big company right. that's working with them. So it's like when right. they say targeted partners. Rhymes with Schmapple. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like for a company, for a company like this, it could be a very big company that they're partnered with, but we will never know. It's like we won't find out until, you know, right. two years down the line. And do you think that this is the kind of situation where these companies that are on the verge of beginning to do this? Will we see these companies gobbled up by bigger companies? Will I have a an Apple or a Tesla suddenly swoop in and just like swallow this company whole. I think that's what you're going to see a lot of because it's, it's one of those just the way all battery companies are just kind of like becoming conglomerates. Like it's LG, you know, CATL. It's like these massive battery companies uh, or a car company like Tesla. I think for something like this, I could see LG just coming in and just scooping them up. Suddenly they're part of LG. It's like, I don't see these small little startups necessarily becoming a major player in batteries. I see them becoming part of a technology stack for somebody else. Right. And if that in fact does happen, how optimistic are you that they don't get swallowed up just so that the patent can be put on a shelf? <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. If this technology proves out to be the like, work out like they claim, it's going to be, it's absolutely going to get used. It would only get shelved if it turns out that it's, they can't get the price point down to where they expect it to get. It's like, that's the only way that you get shelved. A couple of other comments I wanted to share include this one from Zaroth, who wrote, I'm interested if the 3D printing could help produce, and this, and Zaroth, I got to give a tip of the hat. This is an extremely detailed comment, which I had to read a couple of times to wrap my old brain around. So you'll excuse me if I stumble through the wording a little bit. I'm interested if 3D printing could help produce more intricate solid electrolyte topologies, as this has been seen to help create a better interface between ceramic electrolytes and the electrolyte and then the electrodes. This interface is the biggest challenge for solid state batteries, in my opinion. Also, I would be interested to know more about how much waste is saved using 3D printing, as batteries are not made like other components using CNC machines. I've always used 3D printing as a prototype method and seen it for and see it more bespoke for low volume products. So I'll be looking out for its application in mass manufacturing. 
it seems like Zaroth is touching on the idea of could you in effect 3D print large components of say a car where the body of the car would include within it battery elements is that it's conceivable it's absolutely right. conceivable i don't know if anybody is actually trying to do that but it's conceivable that you could do it the other thing he brings up is just the whole speed issue which is for me the giant question mark because when you have like when you're talking about tooling around manufacturing batteries it's optimized to create an incredible flow of batteries out of the machine where this it's like however fast it prints is how fast that line's going to go so it's like how fast can it actually print that stuff out the question mark around speed for me is still there it's still a giant question mark but it seems like it could be a surmountable problem if these companies can make this pan out but his comment of there not being a lot of waste based on battery manufacturing i don't know where he's getting that information because i have found the exact opposite it's like all you have to do is look at tesla look at when they were ramping up their battery production for the Tesla Model 3, the battery production they're doing now for their new 4680 cells, it's like there's an incredible amount of waste from battery production, like an astonishing amount of waste because there's cells that are just not viable. It's like they go into QA and it's like, oh, this one's a, a right. bad cell. You chuck it into a pile. Same thing for CPUs. It's like there's lots of just bad CPUs that end up in a, a waste bin. And then those things have to be broken down and recycled. So there's an I'd immense- be interested to know if if- the measurement that Zaroth is referring to is on a, when you've produced one thing, how much waste is around that thing versus right. how much waste is there in the entire production line. And if you're suggesting that, oh, if 15% of your batteries coming off the line are useless to you, that's a lot of waste. That's as what opposed I'm saying. to, yes. yeah, as opposed to there may be a different measurement being used by Zaroth as saying, well, when you have one battery done, there's only a few bits of waste around it. Therefore, it's an efficient process. So it is. it really is about how zoomed in or pulled back you are from yes, the process. A very good point. Yeah. I'm looking at the zoomed out process at the end of the, like when you look at the whole thing, there's a lot of waste in battery production, which is part of the reason why all these companies are spinning up recycling efforts. I don't know what the efficacy of the 3D batteries are yet. So it's like, I don't know what right. their failure rate is for the batteries they're printing. But if they could get battery production up really at high levels, and then there's very little waste from the actual manufacturing process, it's like it could be a win. But we also need to see what these pilot projects are as they spin them up over the next year to see what those kind of results are. Right. The pilot projects that are being talked about right now, how big, do you know how big those batteries are? Are we talking about something that's the equivalent of a AAA or a 9 volt, or is it something much larger than that? It depends on who the partners are. So it's like, imagine they're working with, let's say they were working with a VW and they wanted battery cells. It's like, they could be big battery cells. Who knows Who knows what they're going to be? It, it depends on what the partner needs and what the partner wants to test. Or they could be working with Casio and just making watch batteries. Exactly. It could be a tiny little batteries for an Apple Watch. Who knows? It's like, it depends on what this hush-hush agreements they've got going on are. But my guess is they're probably testing multiple different styles and multiple different sizes and capacities to really kind of put the system through its paces to see where the weaknesses are to make improvement. Mm. And then beyond battery production, is there, you mentioned Apple using 3D printing to prototype new tech. How far away do you think we are from a company saying like, we'll make the whole kit and caboodle for you. We're going to 3D print you a phone. 
and it is going to be top to bottom. The entire thing is going to be 3D printed by us, including it's going to 3D print the glass screen. It's going to 3D print the battery and the computer components inside. They're all going to be on one board because it's all going to be one device. It's going to be one solid thing. How far away from that are we? <laughs> I would I would have no idea. At that point, you're talking kind of sci-fi land. You're still talking Star Trek at that point. Yeah, that could be 50 years away. It's like, who, who knows? It's like, I don't know if we're 3D printing glass yet. So it's like, it's one of those, we can 3D print plastic. So if you're talking about plastic screen, maybe we can do it that way, but I don't know how clear it is or how durable it is. So it's like, it all comes down to how good we get at 3D printing each individual component and then somebody to come in and say, hey, we can do it all. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. feels like a far off future for that. That'd be pretty cool though. It would be awesome. Finally, this comment from Trevor Hook, and this is getting into some nitty gritty detail. I don't know if you have the answer to this, but Trevor writes, my interest in this depends on the total weight reduction and energy density increase per liter when changing from liquid to solid state batteries. And I seem to have missed this while watching this video. Are those elements that you are aware of and can speak about intelligently? Or should you and I both say, bah, and just move on from here? <laughs> He's talking more about like, are solid state batteries really that much better than liquid? So it's like, are they all going to be 50% lighter and have twice as, and twice as much energy density? Right. That question is still, it's been proven in a lab. Yes, we can, solid state batteries can be made far more energy dense and lighter than a typical lithium ion battery today. That has been proven. The question mark is how quickly can we get to the point where we're manufacturing them at an affordable price that's actually competitive against the batteries we're able to make today? The problem with that is current batteries are not standing still. There are advancements being made on the kinds of batteries we're making today. Tesla is a great example. They're 4680 cells. They have a whole new manufacturing process, the dry electrode process they're coming up with. They have all this different stuff they're doing that is dramatically dropping the, it will dramatically drop the production costs in time. So it's like solid state batteries come out and it's like, okay, well, the new Tesla battery is actually not that far off from what that brand new solid state can actually achieve. And it costs half as much as that battery so it's like it's solid state has to advance very quickly to catch up to that price point to become right. competitive to make the case for themselves and they just aren't there right now because nobody's doing them at scale nobody is so it's like we have to wait until the first companies really start to come out and really get up to speed before anybody can actually say what it's actually capable of and what it's going to cost it's, it's not just the energy density it's also the overall costs because that's, that's what's going to win the day at the end. Yeah. It seems like this is a case where the goalposts are moving while we're also <laughs> yes. making progress. That's great. Yes. But it, if it's a marathon as opposed to a dash, hopefully the newest techs will have the opportunity to catch up to the longstanding one because it does seem like there would absolutely be some benefits that would come out of them. So listeners, what do you think about all this? Would you be interested in walking into a radio shack and having them 3D print you a phone? Tell us what you think about this. Let us know if you've ever heard of Radio Shack. <laughs> I was going to say, you just made a reference from 1980, Sean. <laughs> That's right. You can find the contact information in the podcast description or on YouTube. You can just scroll directly below the video and go to the comments there. In any event, please do subscribe. Don't forget there are ways you can directly support the podcast. You can visit stilltbd.fm and you can throw quarters at us. We try to catch them with our mouths and that's why we have chipped teeth. You can also 
scroll beneath this video on YouTube and find the join button and become a member. Whatever kind of support you're able to give, we greatly appreciate it. Even if all you're able to do is listen or watch, please be sure to give us a rating, a review, share us with your friends. All of that really does help the podcast. The podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. And then Matthew reminds me that I'm old because I know what Radio Shack is. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>